Does your faith break through? Are you one of the few? Oh, are you one of the few? Well, we want to welcome you to episode 75 of The Few. I'm Bill. And I'm Ed. And today we're going to be talking about conflict again. And if you're familiar with our show, you know that we did this early on. Today we're taking a little bit of a different approach, Bill. We're going to try to back up from the crisis point of conflict and talk about how we can lead in such a way to try to avoid what we call life-threatening conflict. And life-threatening is a is a term that we get from Bonham and Fur in their book, Leading Congregational Change, where they divide conflict into two categories, life-threatening or life-giving, because as if you go back and listen to our other uh, podcasts, you know that uh, we feel like conflict is good and can be good, but we don't want it to be bad conflict. And so today we're going to try to talk about how you can avoid bad conflict conflict. Yeah. Avoiding conflict might be a, uh, a little bit of a misnomer because, you know, I guess the better would be avoiding destructive, you know, or, or trying to, you know, prevent destructive conflict. Um, yeah, you don't want to avoid all conflict because I think, you know, we can make a case and many have made the case that conflict is the point of growth. Um, you really can't have growth or movement forward without some conflict. And so what you're looking for is to manage conflict in such a way that it's according to Bonham and Fur, um, life giving and then avoiding conflict that is life threatening. And that comes in how you manage conflict, but it also comes, I think in what happens before conflict arises. And so that's what we're, that's what we're really looking at today is, um, you know, how do we, how do we, uh, Avoid that life-threatening conflict. All right. Well, before we get into that, I think we should do a little bit of front porch wisdom. What's your front porch wisdom for today? The wisdom that I have for today is kind of a distillation of experience and, uh, I don't know, Looking at our culture, and um, and you know, we live in a culture where it seems that everybody wants to uh, silence voices of dissent. There, mm-hmm. you know, we call it the cancel culture. Uh, we got to be careful not to say things that trigger people. Uh, folks are describing, you know, words as violence now. You know that if you right. say right. something uh, inappropriately or in a way that um, is offensive to someone that they're it's to the point where they're saying words are, are violent. And I can understand in some ways and in some contexts that that might be the case, but, but what's sure. happened is it's like, we can't have disagreements anymore. We can't have healthy dialogue. There's right. almost no such thing as debate when we are looking at, you know, um, specific issues that are complex and we need to have debate on, best approaches and best practices. But what's happened is um, we've been forced into sides. You know, we're forced to pick a side today. Um, right. And so right. when that happens, a lot of times you silence voices. And, and I just, you know, we were talking a few weeks ago and the thought came to my mind and I believe it's, it's pretty good wisdom, not because it came from me and I'm sure someone else has said it, but I guess my front porch wisdom would be, you know, this, when, when you silence a voice in the room, 
to avoid conflict or in an effort to avoid conflict, you inevitably invite more severe conflict in the long run. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and I, and I think that, um, there's a little bit of wisdom there because we all want to be heard. And if we feel that, that our opinion doesn't matter, if our voice isn't being heard, if our perspective has no opportunity to be shared, then we're going to find some way to rebel or we're not going to engage in any process of, of reconciliation or, or developing a better plan for whatever it is you're dealing with. So, um, you know, my front porch wisdom would be, uh, when you silence the voice in a room, you in ultimately invite more severe conflict in the long run. Um, so yeah. And we're going to bring that up. Wisdom, that that kind of leads into what we want to talk about here in a little bit. Right. Right. Yeah. We'll use that. That, that will be a, a big part of what we, how we avoid conflict. And, and I think it's, it's good wisdom. And I think we're all probably guilty of it at times. You know, because we're always kind of wanting to get our a point across um, instead of listening to others, and we end up silencing people, and and then we wonder why we get so much of an emotional backlash sometimes. And sometimes it's our fault. Sometimes it's because we didn't give people space to be able to communicate how they were feeling or what they were thinking at certain times. And and I know this happens in the church world a lot. It happens in the business world a lot. I think it's very applicable for all of us. So good wisdom, Bill. Yep. Thanks for sharing. Well, thank you very much. I think my my wisdom for today is uh, just a book recommendation. Um, it's a book that's pretty popular that probably a lot of our listeners have have, have read, but I've just been kind of starting into it. It's called Atomic Habits um, by James Clear, and uh, I just find it a really neat uh, book. You know, you read so many books around leadership and self-improvement and those kinds of things in the church world and in the business world. And so much, it's just a rehashing or a regurgitation of somebody else's ideas. What I like about this book is it's kind of, uh, you know, it's newer stuff. Um, I'm sure other people have, have written about it before, but for me, it's been kind of new stuff. And what I really like about it is it's very practical in kind of how to develop good habits and how to break bad habits. And I think we probably all could benefit from some better habits and probably all could benefit from getting rid of some bad habits in our lives. And, um, he, he does a lot of, it's not a church book, you know, it's, it's, uh, based on science on how we think and the neocortex and all those kind of things, but it's really, it's really eye opening Um, and some real practical ideas in there for how to make better habits. And what it's done for me is in my leadership, you know, I'm a big, kind of 4DX model, um, objective key OKR model leadership guy. If you know what those are, we talked about those on the podcast, but you kind of just start with big goals and break them down into smaller goals. And then you have your kind of weekly initiatives that help you make all that happen. For me, I've started to look at my weekly initiatives as, as habits, like what good habits do I need to start that will help me accomplish these goals in my life? And then concentrating on the habits rather than the goals because we all know that we never reach our goals unless we change what we do on a daily basis. Right. And so how do I develop these good habits that help me meet my personal goals, my professional goals, you know, those sorts of things. And, and so I really like it. So I would suggest that if you haven't read James clears atomic habits, that you jump out there and grab that book. And, uh, matter of fact, I can imagine that maybe we'll have a podcast, uh, coming up here that goes through that book a little bit cause some good, some really good information. So that's my 
Wisdom for the Day, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Well, as we start kind of diving into this uh, issue of avoiding conflict or, you know, avoiding destructive conflict, staying ahead of it, um, one of the things that we think is important is, is uh, we would say, knowing your environment. How, how, would, how would you describe yeah. the meaning of that when we say, know, know your environment? Yeah, so so I think if we're really trying to lead in such a way to avoid conflict, knowing your environment really is about, um, you know, the old Andy Griffith show, you know, Barney Fife always saying, nip it in the bud, you know, we got to nip it in the bud. And really, that's what you're doing, I think, with knowing your environment. It is trying to be perceptive enough, you know, in the Christian world, we would call it discernment, trying to discern, you know, um, being observant, knowing situations and and knowing the people involved knowing the the atmosphere involved the organization the situation knowing all of that well enough to be able to address things before they blow up into a full-blown life-threatening conflict Um, that's how i would describe knowing the environment and then again there are pieces to that right um, there's all, you, you have to know your people, <laughs> you know, you have to know the situation. Um, mm-hmm. you don't want to be blindsided, you know, as a leader right. being blindsided can cause incredible conflict. You know, it's like someone blows up and you're like, man, where'd this come from? You know, why are they upset? <laughs> I never anticipated yeah. this. One of the reasons we don't anticipate those things is because we're not involved enough in the life of the organization itself, whether it's a church or a business or the people that are a part of that to be able to say, Oh, this is brewing here. You know, Um, here's some things that people are saying that aren't really upset, not really a conflict yet, but it could be. And then we address it before it gets into a full blown conflict. Yeah. I would say you uh, about this. I, I was, you know, there are many ways in which I'm still naive. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. I, I, I kind of tend on the side of trusting people. I mean, Mm. I, I, I tend to trust people when they say, you know, they're for something that they're for it. You know, I, I don't, it's not my nature to, to try to find ulterior motives or to be suspicious of people. I've had to force myself to, to be a little bit more discerning. Um, and one of the right. learning experiences, right. like I remember, um, uh, being at South Parkersburg Baptist with you and, um, you know, you mentioned one time to me, you said, you need to pay attention to the converse when you're in a room, when there's a bunch of people gathering in a room and we're going through a season of change, you need to pay attention to who's talking to whom around the room, you know, and, uh, because that can, and, yeah. and that can help you anticipate, you know, where, uh, some questions or, you know, maybe disagreement or disgruntledness might arise. And, 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 right. and I, right. what's, that was a, a good learning experience for me. And I, I don't, I won't say that I'm, I, I enter a room and anytime I'm around a group of people that um, are involved in leadership or whatever, that I'm suspicious to the point where I'm always watching and I'm, I'm scared of conspiracy theories, but I think it's wise right. and it is discerning when you're in the midst of leading and you're uh, leading through change to pay attention to your environment, to the extent that you do look for who's talking to whom, um, because it, it helps you anticipate yeah. where um, questions or concerns or issues might arise. And, and, and as a leader, if you demonstrate uh, um, the ability to address those issues as they rise readily, 
in the group of people and among the group of people that God's called you to lead, it just enhances um, your ability to lead effectively. And the people that you serve as a leader um, grow, um, I guess their respect for your leadership increases. Um, But those things don't happen by accident. It takes the discipline of paying attention, knowing your environment. Right. Right. It does. And, and, you know, I think you're, you've, you've mentioned something there you have to be careful of. You don't want to, you don't want to actually approach this from a, I don't trust everybody, you know, kind of viewpoint. You want to approach it from, I just want to learn more. Right. Um, and, and it doesn't mean that people are talking negative. You can listen for the positive things too, and know who the, who the stakeholders are in the situation who are going to be key people in initiating change or in following, you know, the vision or the mission that you're laying out. Um, but it's just, like you said, it's just really an awareness. It's a situational awareness that you bring that I think really, really helps people, um, you know, stave off or, or, uh, you know, at the very least allows them to manage conflict that comes in a way that it's not life threatening because you simply have been dealing with the situation, um, before it blows up, before it gets that yeah. crescendo of, you know, Hey, this is, you know, it's a huge problem now. Um, and you're surprised. And then usually what happens when that happens is then you're just reacting, right? You're just reacting to, um, the last phone call you got or the meeting you had rather than being proactive, because I heard someone ask this question of someone else, or, I heard this little bit of grumbling. I'm going to get out ahead of this and deal with this before it becomes a huge issue. And so it makes you a whole lot more proactive than reactive in dealing with things. So, so as, as we talk about knowing your environment, is this where you think the self-awareness piece fits in the conversation, knowing yourself and you, what you bring to the table? I do. I do. I think if you go back and listen to some of our early episodes where we talk about self-awareness, I think we probably made the point in there that, you know, what we're talking about in situational awareness and being aware of what other people's kind of emotional responses are to certain things and those sorts of stuff, stuff, um, it's really hard to get a handle on that unless you have a a healthy level of self-awareness, right? The more you get to understand emotional intelligence, let's just use that phrase for now the easier it is for you to recognize that in other people. And so I think, I think it's, it's very much so. I think if you are the more self-aware you are, the easier it is for you to discern what people are thinking, um, you know, what their motives are, um, those sorts of things. And you want to be really careful with that too, right? It's the same as, you know, when you look at spiritual gifts that are outlined in the Bible, discernment, you know, is usually understood as a spiritual gift that is outlined in the new Testament and you want to be careful with that as well, because you don't want to become, you don't want to think that you're perfect at that, right? That even if it's a spiritual gift, you think you have, you also need to understand you're not a perfect person. And so you can misinterpret things. And, and we'll talk about that here when we go down to one of the next points, but, but you don't want to draw a judgment too quickly. You, you know, you want to be more curious about it. You want to say, it may be that this is what this person's thinking. It may be that this is what I'm going to have to deal with. You don't want to make blanket kind of um, judgments that this is what this person's thinking. Right. Um, but you won't be able really to pick up on those things. You won't be a, a very good discerning person unless you first have a healthy level of self-awareness, be able to see those things in yourself before you can see them in others. 
All right. That's my opinion. Amen. So, Amen. And I would agree. So, so the next, the next one we have here. So, so really we're going down through four things. Um, and to, to make life, to avoid life threatening conflict. First is know your environment. And the second bill is what? To communicate effectively, have good and effective communication. And so this is where yeah. my, my, uh, comment at the beginning of the episode kind of comes in. You know, when, when you silence a voice in the room to avoid conflict, you invite more severe conflict in the long run. Um, you know, right. Effective communication is always a two way street. You know, you need to speak and be clear on, on what it is you're striving to communicate. Um, and you need to do that multiple ways. And if I think if you're in leadership, it is your job to kind of set the narrative. Um, and, but to set it clearly, because if you fail to do that, then everybody else, they're going to find ways to fill in the blanks and say, and make assumptions. So one, it's, it's vital that we communicate clearly, but the other side of it is communication is a two way street. And so we have to listen well and, and give people Mm -hmm. a place to speak and opportunity to speak and, and, and in a way that they know that their voice is being heard. Right, right. Yeah, and I think this leads into what you and I have had a lot of conversation about, um, you know, and we're working on some stuff with our organization, Renew Transformational Strategies, where we're putting together some workshops and some different things around this whole idea of curiosity, right? Because this this is, I think, where it lends into authentic communication is is this idea of having this attitude of curiosity. I've become convinced over the last year, year and a half, that curiosity is one of the key words to effective leadership. Um, when you're talking about being a person of faith and you're trying to grow as a follower of Christ, you know, curiosity, uh, your level of curiosity impacts how much you're learning and growing and how much you're praying, how much you're studying scripture, how much you're wanting to know, you know, it's that desire to know more, to grow, to really get at the truth. And, and then when you take it over into relationships and we're looking at how do we stave off this life-threatening conflict, you know, well, if you're going to be a good communicator, you need to be curious about the people you're talking to. What what normally happens, or at least what I've been guilty of, and I think a lot of people are as well, is you go into a situation and you're wanting to win the argument or you're wanting to make your point. You're trying to strategize, how can I get this person to agree with me? And if you would flip that around and go into those conversations with, I really want to know the truth of what this person thinks. I want to know why they think what they think. What are their motives behind the behavior that they're exhibiting right now? If you go in with that level of curiosity, I think that will will allow you to have an authentic and vulnerable conversation that's much more likely to make sure you don't go through life-threatening conflict. It's going to build trust. It's going to get to the bottom of the elephant in the room, as they say. Um, and, and I just think we're in a society right now that has lost that. You know, It's more about, I'm in this group, and this is my pitch. And I want to make sure that I know how to, to pitch it well, you know, and I want to convince people to agree with me and become part of my group, my, the way I think, the way I see it, you know? Um, so this curiosity I think is huge when it comes to effective communication. I, uh, 
I think really when, when I think about the, the curiosity piece, the, the thing for me is, um, we, you know, being willing to strive to hear and I guess empathize, listen to those that we might disagree with strongly. Um, and, and right. the challenge there is, you know, it can become a, a bit emotional for us. And, when we get emotional, it's and we begin to respond emotionally. It has a way of escalating things. And I'm reminded of Proverbs fifteen one, where it says, um, "You know, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but but harsh words stir yeah. up anger." And um, mm. if we, in the midst of conversation, and demonstrate a willingness to listen to someone, even if they begin to get animated, we actually de-escalate. Um, the, the situation and and create an environment where if if we respond if we choose not to respond in kind as that conversation begins to escalate uh, we uh, right. with by being calm and empathetic and actually listening we'll move toward constructive dialogue um, and and generally right. uh, and there I, I got a I found a couple of articles that that speak to this when when we respond in that way what often happens is reciprocity. Um, you know, and reciprocity right. doesn't always have to be a bad thing. You know, uh, you, you, you mm -hmm. get back what you put in or the, you know, you get back what you pour out. And, and if you, uh, pour right. out, uh, uh, and demonstrate, you know, empathy and good listening skills, patience, then you're a lot more apt to receive that in return as you share with the one you're, um, you're in conflict with as you share yeah. things that they find difficult to hear. Yes. Yeah. Well, you can, you know, in a very practical sense, you can think about this in terms of if someone comes into your office and they sit down and they're mad and they start telling you why they disagree with a, you know, let's just say you've got some new project you're working on or something at work or in the church and they disagree with it and they come in, they're angry and they, they come at you, then you've got, you've got a, a, a real quick, <laughs> you know, um, a real quick opportunity to make a decision very fast on the playing field. Um, do I respond this way, you know, and it's like, well, this is why we're doing this and your voice gets animated or you can sit back and you can say, look, it's obvious that this has made you angry. You know, tell me, I really would like to understand, um, why is this such an emotional issue for you? Or I would really like to understand where you're coming from. You know, maybe I've missed something here, right? I mean, you can, I mean, if you do that and trust me on this because I've done, I've done it and it's not my normal way of conversation. I have to discipline myself to do it, but you can just watch the air come out of that person as they deflate, you know, and, and start to have a conversation, like you said, that is constructive rather than just a I want to make my point. You want to make your point. And, and, and that just escalates the conflict, you know? So, so I, I totally agree and think this is a, a great place. And I think your quote is, is pretty awesome. You know, when we, people feel silenced, not just because they're not able to speak, but because they're not heard, you know? And so you have to hear their voice. Um, not just allow them to speak. Um, there's a lot of people that speak and we never hear what they say, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it really is important for us to listen. And one of the greatest ways I think we can listen is to develop this, this attitude of curiosity where we authentically really want to know what they're thinking, 
what's driving their behavior, you know, what, what, how, what's making them tick on this particular thing. So, so that's two. So, so I think the second one really leads into the third one, right? Which is, yes, which hold your judgment. judgment. Yeah. Yeah. Hold your judgment. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not good at that. (laughs) If I could be very uh, honest, it's not always an easy thing for me to do. I, I uh, tend to be, um, I think I hide it well, but I tend to be judgmental and, uh, and I battle that regularly. Um, You know, you make assumptions about what's behind what someone is saying. uh, And um, it's really hard to hold or withhold your judgment and hear someone out. But in doing so and finding ways to demonstrate that we are withholding our judgment, it creates a, a more healthy environment where that, again, the person feels heard and you actually do hear what they're saying. Um, and, um, right. and much, a lot more good can come out of it. Right. Well, and that's why I think we say, you know, it's so related to the second one, um, be a good and effective communicator because really honestly you can't be a good and effective communicator if you walk into every situation having already made up your mind about why this person's doing what they're doing right. what their motives are and then you jump to that next step of labeling it good or bad right? right to me that's kind of the essence of judgment i look at this person and i'm like okay we're trying as a church we're trying to you know develop a new community ministry And this person has questioned that, right? And so immediately I say, well, their motive is they don't believe in community ministry. And immediately I say, that's bad. And so that person's bad. So I walk into that conversation already, already knowing in my head, because this is my perception I've convinced myself of this person's a bad person who's standing against something good and they have no good reason for that rather than being curious and holding that judgment and saying, why would this person disagree with this, you know? And rather than me answering that question, ask them that question and then yeah. try to discern as they talk what what the truth behind the matter really is. And and again, I I just don't think we can move forward. This will just create all kinds of conflict when we start labeling people and judging people and attributing motives to them before we really understand what their motives are. Cuz sometimes we're totally wrong on our judgments. Yeah, how often I mean, how often does um, conflict, the root of conflict, boil down to someone assuming motive that really wasn't part, was was at, at the heart of what the actions of the person that they're opposed to? I mean, we all right. do it. I mean, right. unless someone has come out, someone whom we trust to tell us the truth has come out and said... Mm. I'm I I feel this way I'm responding this way because then we all right. um have a tendency to assign motive of some kind we 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 try to evaluate right. and, and try to make um you know get behind why they would choose to do that and and a lot of times it's not a fair uh, the assumptions that we make uh, about motive I think the the only way right. to truly know motive is to hear it directly from that person um you know, you can yes, evaluate yes. situations. You can look at um, actions that people have taken and and try to read between the lines. But ultimately, um, motive um, is something that we generally need to hear uh, from 
the person that we're dealing with. You know, why? Yeah. Asking that why yeah. question. Um, yeah, and we still might have to utilize that gift of discernment to figure out if they're telling the truth or not, right? I mean, we still might have to read between the lines, but we're going to get a whole lot better opportunity to get at the truth if we're in a conversation where we're hearing them, you know, um, where it's not just an emotional response and, and there is a dialogue going on. I mean, that's just the, the bottom line is where there is a dialogue going on between two people. You're much less, you're much more likely to get at the truth of a situation. So, and Mm -hmm. we flow into the fourth one from this, which is really just be authentic and fair, right? It is, you know, if you're a person who is known for treating people differently, or if you're a person who's known for being unfair, um, you're never going to be able to stave off conflict in your organization. It's just that simple. So you want to be working in those personal relationships of building trust, doing these things we've been talking about, but understanding that any conflict you face down the road, it's much less likely that it's going to be life-threatening if you have a higher trust with the people you lead. And the higher trust with the people you lead often comes through just being authentic and fair. And as people of faith and faith-based leadership, whether you're in the church or the workplace or a nonprofit, you know, this is ultimately one of the most important things you can do. It's not about, you know, it's not so much about how you handle the conflict during the conflict. It's about who you are leading up to the conflict that will make a big difference in the trust level of people when you hit a patch where you might have disagreement and those sorts of things. And you can find that. I think that, that if individuals who are truly trying to follow Christ are authentic and real, then that conflict can become incredibly life giving rather than life threatening. But you have no chance. If you're a person who is not authentic, if you're not fair, if you're not living out your values um, with the people in your organization on a daily basis. And I I think a lot of times the mistake, I would, Ed, and I think um, a lot of times the mistake that we make is that we assume too much trust or, or we, uh, we, like, right. um, we, we make the assumption that people know me well enough or they know that I would not mm. do that or I would not have that motive and that, that they do trust. And I think as a young leader, one of the biggest mistakes that I made was – um, making that assumption. I mean, I hadn't right. been in situation long enough in, in that con in that leadership context long enough to try to, to accomplish, to do, to move the envelope as far right. as I was trying to move it. And it created, because there wasn't sufficient trust. I mean, there was a lot of pushback and, and it made it very difficult. Right. And so, um, allowing time yeah. and, to, to demonstrate mm. who you are and uh, for people to get to know you and, and see that you genuinely are someone who is trustworthy, who has integrity, who is the same mm. person, no matter where they find you, whether it's with uh, others in the boardroom or it's at the ball field, you know, um, that you right, are who you right. present yourself to be, that you are transparent, that you don't operate with hidden agendas, all those things. Yeah. Um, create the opportunity to, to navigate conflict in a healthy way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree with you. So, 
Well, there you have it. Um, we're trying to shorten our podcast a little bit. Um, if you have a reaction to that, if you like it being shorter, let us know. If you don't like it being shorter, if you'd rather listen to us for a whole hour instead of about a half an hour, let us know that too. We're just um, trying to be the best we can be at what we're doing to serve you in a way that helps you be the leader God has called you to be. So um, just uh, remind you that uh, we love for you to share these episodes with people. We're trying to get back into the routine of doing it on a regular basis. We've been kind of sporadic in, in releasing episodes lately. Um, so uh, so let us know what you think. You can email us at ed at renewts.com or bill at renewts.com if you would rather. Um, you can also go on our uh, Facebook page. Um, you can visit the Renew Transformational Strategies uh, webpage if you would like as well. Many ways you can give us some feedback. But uh, we appreciate all of you. And until next time, we hope that you are one of the few. Does your faith break through? Are you one of the few? Oh, are you one of the few?